Today's episode of GM Street is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, all you have to do is use promo code RINGERNFL. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, January 30th. We're getting close to February. We're getting close to the Super Bowl. But first, we have to address the elephant in the room. If you watch this on YouTube, the elephant in the room is there's an Italian thing. If you come to my office, I have a thousand of them. The, the trunk up elephants mean good luck. Mm-hmm. So that's why we put the elephant there. So we'll have good luck in the podcast. Well, yeah, we're going to have good luck for all health and all good things. At the for Super everyone, Bowl. not just for me, for everyone. Yeah, it's the big game. It's the big week. We've had all season. We've been talking to each other all season, doing a lot of episodes, a lot of shows, a lot of, a lot of different iterations of GM Street. And we, we usually have a ton of things to talk about because we have like 40 games to cover. Can, but now, can I share a moment with yes, you, though? Please. Really, it was one of my. I, I told this to Millie. Like it was my one of my proudest moments. So, I was driving yesterday. Uh-huh. You weren't here. We came in to do the no. the media day. Media day. Media day. I couldn't get that right. I got to go to phonics school or something like that. But anyway, I apologize. I'm hooked I, on phonics. If I apologize for uh, not pronouncing names correctly all the time. But anyway, so I was driving down a street that we go on all the time, mm-hmm. and actually, it's the the street that the, uh, that our esteemed owner lives on. Mm-hmm. Okay, our CEO, our CEO, our founder and chairman. And so I'm driving down there, and you know, I usually I don't come. On on Monday in the afternoons late. So like I'm, you know, traffic in LA was ridiculous. So it took me a while. And uh and so like I'm driving down the street and I get down there and I'm on the phone with Joel Solomon coming over to talk about the great so Joel the great Solomon. Joel the, the Solomon. one guest of GM Street. The only guest of GM mm-hmm. Street so far. Uh, I'm coming down the street talking about Joel and and there's this cute dog like just roaming down the street. It's got a scarf on, and I'm like, oh, no. And then the dog comes out in the middle of the street, so I stop the car. I stop the car, and the dog's kind of wandering around. And then I see the dog, and the dog comes over to me, and, like, I could see the dog has no Nobody's like, there's no, like, nobody's walking this dog. Like, there's nobody in sight. So now I stop the car in the middle of the street. People, nobody's bitching. Nobody's complaining. I get the dog. I put the dog in the car. And the dog's just the, the, the cutest dog you ever could see, right? So I'm like, now what am I going to do? Like, Millie's going to, like, bring this dog home. <laughs> She's going to get pissed off at me, you know? Although she would have loved the dog, right? Uh-huh. So, like, what am I going to do? Like, I, I might have bit off more than I could chew here. I got to go to work, You're right? also going to the studio. I'm so going to work. You, I'm like Batman. I'm doing everything yeah. here. You know, I'm making all the stops. So anyway, so we, we're coming down. The, so I pull the car over the side of the road and I parked the car and, I, and the dog's jumping all over me, licking my face and going crazy. And I could tell it's a puppy because you can feel the rib, you know, you can just feel mm-hmm. how young it is. Right. So I pull over and now I figure, okay, well, there's got to be, I got to be bailed out here because there's got to be a name tag on the dog. So I find out the dog's name's Baxter and then it has two phone numbers on the dog, which is perfect. Right. So I call the phone and you know, nobody answers the first number I call. Nobody answers the second number I call. And then I call the first number again and like with a hundred feet away from me, I see a woman on the phone, like, do you have my dog? And I'm like, yeah, I have your dog. I have it right here in the car, you know? And she lived like right on the corner there of the street and the dog, apparently the pizza delivery guy came over Uh, the house and the dog escaped. Kind of delivery service. I know it's horrible. Right. So anyway, I felt really good about myself yesterday. I wanted to, I couldn't share it with you because I, 
couldn't, you know, you weren't here to talk to about. But the, the, I was really, it's not every day that I'm joined by a good Samaritan, a people, I a humanitarian. At, like, so I felt I, good. I really at, I, like, it. listen, I'm a good person. You know, I felt like that was a Jerry Seinfeld episode. You know, I felt like that. So anyway, that was my story. Well, and that then, was your good karma. And we got the elephant in the room. And that was my good, good karma. All good luck and all good so things are happening. So now we can so. move forward. No, that's perfect. That was a great story. I'm I love dogs. That, I mean, like, yeah. how can't, like, I, I was like, I was like, Millie's like, did you, do you didn't yell at that lady for having that? Like, I was mad at her. Like, she had this dog loose. Like, and I, and then they came over to get the dog, and the dog's in the car going crazy, and they forgot to bring a leash. Like, you're not carrying that dog home. I think there should be a rule that you can't put a scarf on your dog if you can't keep your eye on your dog. You know? <laughs> if you're going to dress up a dog and make it look all nice and proper and pretty. He lives right around the corner. Yeah. We might, we might, you know, anyway. We'll, we'll bring him in. We'll have a little show. We'll have to and, talk about you know, it. You know, maybe that, that'll be the dog bowl, like the puppy bowl. There you uh, go. Well, Bella's, Bella's yeah. going to for, never forgive me for this. Multiple anyway. venues. Uh, we'll figure it out. Multiple venues. Uh, all right, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Obviously, it is Super Bowl week, and yesterday was Media Day or Media Today, both of them. Uh, a lot of videos going up with you and Cousin Sal. It was awesome last Day. night. We did a bunch of them. We talked about, you know, the, we, we compared meets. We talked about Bill Belichick's finest moments. I got to hear a lot about Cousin Sal's prop bets, which was fascinating, mm, right? Mm. I mean, because Cousin Sal's just not a, a normal degenerate gambler. Like no, he's, he's the next level. He's at like a level. He's like a like if there's a penthouse, there's another level above that for Cousin Sal because he's betting on will this guy smash a guitar? Like <laughs> I, I like. Yes. I mean, he's doing things yes. that are like... You didn't even a, know that they were possible bets. No clue. No idea. Like, and I actually blame Cousin Sal because when I started, you know, working with Bill and this whole universe with Cousin Sal, it was about three years ago. And when I started the Super Bowl props, this was Super Bowl 49. Yeah, Super Bowl 49, going into, and then leading to Super Bowl 50 the next year. There was probably about 150 prop bets at the time. And I and right now there's 440. That oh my have been gosh! And I think that's all Cousin Sal. I think that he has drawn up all the props. He's up the ante now. Everyone's getting in the game. Everyone's trying to make bets on all these props. So I give credit and kudos to, to Cousin Sal for really getting notoriety to those Super Bowl props. It's remarkable. It's at a ridiculous rate right now. By the time that you know we go to Super Bowl 60, we're gonna have a thousand. We're gonna have more prop bets than we've ever seen before, and they may not even play the game. So it's remarkable. I mean, but so we talked about prop bets. We talked about the best Italians in the Super mm. Bowl since it was a. Uh, an Italian festival. We had a bottle of red on the table. We had white. Uh, we what had kind of red, red wine. Was it? It was the Ringer. It was Bill Simmons' exclusive collection. Ooh. You didn't know Bill's in the wine business, I did, did not. you? Yeah, Bill's obviously owns a vineyard. He's making wine, and he's so like a young Walt Disney. He's it, everywhere. He's everywhere. He had his own private. Had the Ringer label on it. It was perfect. It was outstanding. It was really good. I'm I mean, sad the I next thing out in, on this. Maybe next time when you get your next ticket, you should go up to Bill's bed and breakfast in the vineyard where he's making all his grapes. That's <laughs> yes. what you should do. Yes. Put that Napa. down. Yeah, that'd Put that down, Tate Frazier. Right, right by the, all the Warriors players that are coming by, it'll, it'll be Yeah, a good time. exactly. Put that down. Uh, and Media Day. We're talking about Media Day and, and what's going on with all that. Uh, we obviously well, it was actually Media Night, right? It was Media Night. So it starts at 6 o'clock, right? Uh, the teams just Eastern, got in. The, yeah, it really actually. Actually, 8 o'clock. Yeah, the teams just got into town. I mean, the, the, well, the Eagles went on Sunday, but the Patriots didn't go to Monday morning. And then they got in, they went right there. So it's like a, it's a day off for the Patriot players anyway. And the game plans are already pretty much done. I would say 95%. I think last week was game plan week. This is about contingency week. This, this week is practices is refine the game plan, but also really the have contingency plans to practice how you think the game might go and have a contingency if it goes that way. You know, if we slide the protection all the time to Jernigan and we can't block, if we slide the protection all the time to Fletcher Cox and we can't block Jernigan, how are we going to handle that? That's a contingency plan, right? So those are the kind of things I think the team should work on the second week of the Super Bowl. Well, let's talk about, you talk about guys arriving. First off, Bill Belichick, 
walking down the plane. He's got this nice little top hat. Love on. the hat. Yeah. Hey, what do you think about the style of Bill Belichick this year? He's really you know, stepping it up. Uh, you know, Bill's always. You know, when when Bill's always going on the road to. Uh, to dress, he's always stylish dressing. You know, I mean, he <laughs> he may not bring a lot of change of clothes once he gets there, but he's always been pretty stylish. I mean, he's yeah. kind of up this game. Daniel you Camus would be pl- uh, really proud of him right now. I thought he looked great in the hat. That. I thought he did. Yeah. I thought it looked really good on him. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I want to talk about some of these. We're going to talk about the big players at Media Day and sort of how their experiences went. We'll talk with you know Tom Brady. He's obviously getting mobbed. He's a star of the show. Um, he, he's wearing. Did you see Leon from Curb Your Enthusiasm? He yeah. The top hat and then Tom's having the top hat. He has a glove on, obviously, and it's getting the big scene. It looks like. He's uh, I love a pop Leon. star. You know, they're like yelling back at each other. I love that. Uh, he always yeah. tells him to get up in that ass, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's one of my favorite scenes of all time. You get up in there, Larry. You get up there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, that should be a title of a book. You get up there. <laughs> so that was good. We saw Tom Brady. Uh, did, you, did you think, Tom, it seems like he's finally enjoying the moment. It, it yeah. seems like he is the, uh, he's finally, the chip on his shoulder doesn't seem there. It seems like he is now Mr. GQ, Mr. D, Mr. Joe Cool. He's just enjoying the moment. And, and I and thought he handled the WEI thing pretty well, too. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, that wasn't really, that wasn't necessary. It was uncalled for. He took the high road. And, you know, I thought his, as then I heard him say today, he doesn't hope anybody gets fired from it, but he was obviously made his point. So, you know, Tom's got a lot of experience being in front of a lot of people. I mean, his life is truly, you know, everybody sees it and I think he handles it really well. And I think probably he's comfortable with the game plan. Look, the one thing about this Super Bowl is for Tom Brady is it's not going to be about, uh, am I going to read this coverage? You know, when I worked for the, the Raiders, this is really unbelievable, but as good a coach as John Gruden was, mm-hmm. he always got psyched out by Greg Robinson. He, the Greg Robinson used to be the defense coordinator of the Denver Broncos. And we would get ready to play Greg Robinson and, and Gruden would be over there just like sweat would be pouring down. His, like it was just like, oh my God, it's Greg Robinson. <laughs> and, you know, everybody like, though, no, the Kansas City just put 45 on Greg Robinson last week. Like he's given up points left and right. Like why are we so? Because for John, Greg Robinson wasn't like predictable. He wasn't like, if, if I do this, he'll do that. Like, and that's the world John kind of lives in, which is, which is a typical coach's world. And Brady's going into the Super Bowl knowing that what he does, this is what Schwartz does. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of peace that like I can watch all the tape, but I pretty much have it handled on what he's going to do and how he's going to play. It's going to come down to execution. It's not going to come down to scheme and my ability to recognize because I think that'll be fairly easy. And you mentioned the WEI thing. Uh, we, we're talking about his daughter. You know, he has his Facebook show now that just came out. And, yeah. and uh, there was some backlash. Have you so, seen it, Dave Frazier? I have not seen the show. I've not seen it either. Yeah, I need to watch it. I, I'm not big on uh, Facebook TV. I don't content. even know how to get Facebook TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I mean, just I, go to video. I mean, Facebook. I'm having a hard time. I mean, I'm handling the smart TV at the house. I mean, I love it. <laughs> you when got mi- the, the worst thing in my, like, the, the after you get done through the hickey and through all that, and you're married <laughs> as long as I am, right? I'm going to give you some fatherly advice here, right? So the worst thing is like there's got to be like the remote, okay? Yeah, yeah. Like I like, see this with my parents, yeah. Yeah, but I change it, and so if you like, if Millie and I are going to pick a, a show to uh-huh. watch, like I control the remote to mm, pick it, and volume, if, and yeah, no, yeah. it's just like. But then I go too fast. Well, you went too fast. How do I know what that was? You went like that becomes a whole problem. Mm. So avoid that at all. You should have two TVs in your next living room. That's my advice Maybe, to you. Yeah. When you get married, I'll give you a second TV so you can avoid that problem. My grandpa used to stack like back in the old days. He had the old TV, so he would just stack these magnavoxes <laughs> on top of each other. I so we'd have that. like four things going on. We have two games up here: a Western download, Josie uh, Wells. It was a whole. I thing. think that's that, pretty that's clear. That's what you need. You just gotta have a multiple yeah. television. That's all you. Can but do. I can work a, my, the whole point of the story. I can work a smart TV. I can't quite get to Facebook. 
TV. Yeah, well, regardless, we don't think I don't think we even need to see it. But apparently, his daughter got some backlash, and he called into the radio station. That's what that was gonna. Say. I was gonna say something nice about Tom Brady because I know I I like to poke fun of him. I'm not the biggest Patriots fan. They were always a, a team that I was up against my entire life. But uh, he called into the radio station. A lot of times, people put out press releases and these sort of deals. But I like that he called in and he basically told the guys, "Hey, I, I don't know how long I'm not going to come on the show anymore, but uh, I just want to let you guys know I didn't appreciate the sentiment about my daughter, and that's right. my family. That's private, um, even though it was on a public forum. But and, and, and I, I, I appreciated that from Brady. And I was on that. I I do a WEI show uh, every Friday. I was on that morning show at one time with the. I think the host was different. The other guy is still there, and I think that's their shtick. Their shtick is to try to you know, and that's not really yeah, kind of envelope. And yeah, but that's not who Brady is. That's clearly not who I was. I'll answer your questions. I don't have any problem. Look, look, you're looking at me. I mean, I have no problem giving out my opinion, but you don't have to play. Like, you don't need a shtick. Just do your thing. And I think that they crossed the line and Brady handled it really well. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day, and ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sites trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. I'll say it 15 more times, but you get the point. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Talk about a guy that was not there yesterday for media day. Brady's main uh, target, or suspected to be, if he can come back from a concussion protocol. Uh, is there any more uh, news or update on Gronk? I mean, I know it's pretty much quiet, and we know how Belichick is about yeah. injury reports in general. I mean, look, I, I would be surprised beyond a shadow of a doubt. In fact, I would be shocked if Gronk didn't play in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, not shocked. I would make a prop bet that he's going to play. Okay, that's what I would think. And and obviously, you know, they have contingency plans if he doesn't. But I would feel very comfortable that he's going to play. He doesn't look like he's having any ill effects of the concussion protocol. Now he's got to pass a series of tests. I'm sure he will. Absolutely. Uh, And just talking about, let's flip to the other side, talking about the Eagles and talking about their quarterback situation, Nick Foles. A guy, the spotlight is all on Nick Foles. Yeah, he was getting really. a lot of questions uh, yesterday, and you can tell that he has had this. It's almost like he's living his second life at this point as a quarterback. He he became the Eagles quarterback, had the 27 touchdown, two interception. We've all heard all the, all the narratives and the storylines. He got coronated as the, the next quarterback. Things didn't work out. He, you know, Most of his answers yesterday was basically, you know, we've talked about Derek Carr and his relationship to God. I mean, Nick Foles and his relationship to God and that situation that he was talking about with his family, that was pretty much his answer yeah. to everything. And he seemed and this whole Eagles team, it seems like they have just galvanized together as a group. They were thinking they're chaplains. It, it just seems like it's like a team on a mission almost. Right. Yeah, uh, I'm sure else. they are. I mean, winning can breed a lot of culture in your building and it can bring people together. And especially the way the Eagles have won, because even though Foles has taken the, the, the torch from Wentz, Wentz really carried that torch for a mm-hmm. long time. And, you know, when you break this game down, it really isn't about – 
it really isn't about the Eagles players. It isn't about their plays. It's really about their players, Mm -hmm. right? Because the Eagles offense is truly battleship football. And I've talked to you about battleship football. And I mean this in a complete complimentary way. The Eagles offense is like battleship. They'll go K5 miss. Okay, let's try G3 hit. Okay, G4. They are always probing and constantly looking for things, which is why they're one of the worst teams in collecting so many third and sixes in the National Football League. They have 117 third and sixes. Okay, that's in the company of the esteem offenses like the Cincinnati Bengals, like the Cleveland Browns, like the Arizona Cardinals, like mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears, like the Dem- – I mean, stop me, the Buffalo Bills. Stop me when I name a really good offense. But they have a unique ability to make a play – and then it gets them going. They're really a rhythmic offense, and their players make incredible plays, which drives their offense. So, you know, that's why I think you can galvanize this team so closely because it isn't just about one person here or one person there. It isn't just Wentz did this or Foles did that. It's the combination of the group that makes them so effective, and I, and I think that's why they're such a dangerous threat to the Patriots. And you talk about that relationship between Wentz and Foles. I mean, Wentz has said everything and, and done everything that you you would want to see from your your quarterback, your guy that was an MVP guy at one point. But all these interviews leading up to it, I mean, he is just giving all the right answers. Yeah, he, I know. He's giving everything to Foles and just saying how proud he is of Nick. And it's situation. remarkable, right? I mean, that, that's what I think people really don't understand about this whole notion that analytics can drive team building and analytics can do this. And I think you see it. I mean, you know, it's reliably reported to me that that some teams don't even, the best players in the NBA don't even communicate. I won't even mention the team that I know it about, but they don't even talk to one another. Well, and you know, they were analytically driven. They were, but when you have a team that you you have to build a team and the only way you're going to beat the Patriots is not with Jay It's not with Nick Foles. It's with your team effort. And so the Eagles clearly have this uniqueness about their team. And frankly, they're not separated. I mean, you know, Peterson coaches the offense and he handles that. And Jim Schwartz does the defense. And he, and, but they have a collect, they have more of a collection of a team. And I think that this would be a great lesson for Sean McVay to really watch because as much as he wants to sit on the water cooler and kind of go over the game plan, you know, as much as he wants to look at that, I think for him to build a team, he's got to change how he approaches it because it's got to come through him. And he can't quite do that. And, you know, he's probably sitting there in the offseason today. You know, I probably didn't do a really good job with in against the Falcons in that mm-hmm. game. And golf, as based on QBR, is the worst quarterback so far in the playoffs. His rating was the worst by any quarterback. And he can certainly look at that and say, well, we didn't do a good job. But I think what he has to do in the offseason is kind of build this chemistry that we're talking about because that's what wins. And that's what gets you to this level of play and could sustain you when you get here. And we saw Alshon Jeffrey, a guy that signed this one-year deal, kind of bet on himself, and he did make a promise. And when he was on the Chicago Bears, or at the time he was about to be a free agent, he said that he guaranteed a Super Bowl, and a lot of people were confused as to who he was talking about. But yeah. wherever he went, he guaranteed a Super Bowl. He goes to the Eagles, um, and now they're here. And when they were asking about it yesterday, I mean, he kind of just said, you know, the right the right answers, which is what this whole team has done the entire time. I mean, I learned a lot watching just all their interviews yesterday. It just seems like they all have the same answer. We're 60 minutes away from talking about it, but I'll a lot of times, especially with a team for the first time being here, they can get caught up in the moment and all that sort of stuff. And people do buy into that. But 
it just seemed like Alshon was the perfect example and the catalyst for this team. He was like, we're 60 minutes away. And that, Did that's you sense they were nervous at all? At no, that? That, that was the thing. I mean, I even Foles, I mean, there was more cameras on Nick Foles than I think he's ever been in his entire life, obviously. And as he's getting questions, I mean, there were a couple of times he just seemed a little bit, you know, taken aback by the fact that, you know, he had these Ford reporters <laughs> yelling at him to, to yell things out in Spanish or whatever it was, which was entertaining in and of itself. But I, it just seemed like they all kind of were just there to handle the moment. Yeah, I, I think the Atlanta game really galvanized this team because look this the fascinating thing about Philadelphia is they've had 10 wins this year by double digit they've had eight wins by over 20 points okay uh They've only complete. They've only had. This is fascinating, Tate Frazier. I've never heard this before in my career. Is they've only faced fifty six passes in their entire time when they've been behind in the game. Fifty six passes they've played from behind. That's remarkable. So they really haven't been in that tough fight. They haven't been in that battle. Now the Ram game might have been a battle for them, and Wentz obviously getting hurt and going out, and Foles made a play. But I think that Falcon game really to be able to win the game at the end when they didn't really dominate the game. They turned. That was the only game they won this year where they didn't win the turnover takeaway battle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they won that game because they were able to find their inner toughness as a team and find that mental toughness, which I think is a credit to their coach. It's a credit to their players. And I think it's what we're talking about here, this team thing. And I think what you saw at Media Day was a reflection of that. I think that's really where it comes from. And if, if you've got a lot of false bravado to your team, you know, like, like one of my favorite teams is the 76ers. They have a lot of false bravado. And when the game gets tough and, you know, it gets crunch time in the fourth quarter, they're hard to find them. They've blown more leads than anybody. And that's the one thing you can't really coach or you can't instill into a program if you're in that analytical and you're in that process program. You can't really do that. You have to not, that's got to be organic and grown. And I think the Eagles have that. And you, just a quick tangent on uh, talk about the the Seventy Sixers. I mean, they, we we remember they brought in Elton Brand, you know, to come in, and they they didn't necessarily want him to be in the locker room originally, but then they put him on the team in the locker room because they wanted to organically build a toughness from within because it does start with players that have that mentality. And you see a guy like Malcolm Jenkins on this this Eagles yeah. team, and when he does interviews, I mean, not only is he a stand up guy to listen to talk and, and how right. he is able to articulate his thoughts on not only the game but beyond, but him just talking about this team and what it means to be there, what it means to be an underdog and what it means for everyone is against us. No one thought that we would be in this situation. We've had Peters go down. The list of Sturgis goes down. As you go down the list of all these guys they've lost, they've never lost a chip on their shoulder and, and the belief that they were going to make it. And Malcolm Jenkins is the perfect face for that because he just he was amazing yesterday talking about the yeah. team and what they expect. Yeah, and I think they get their toughness from their, t- their defense. There's no doubt. I mean, look mm-hmm. at just like just take two examples. Let's take Kansas City and Philadelphia, right? Both of them, Andy Reid kind of in Instrumental in the coaching of the head coach. Doug Peterson was with Andy Reid. But there's no real, there's a false bravado with Kansas City's defense, right? Marcus Peters is a good player. They can turn the ball over, but they can't really generate the toughness of their team from their team because their defense isn't really tough. And when things go bad, they get worse. They get worse, right? They get an attitude. Where Philadelphia generates, the Malcolm Jenkins signing for Philadelphia proved to be twofold outstanding because he's not only a great player, but he's given them a toughness in the locker room that you really need, okay? And they gave them that toughness before they actually had a quarterback who gives them toughness. So to me, I think when you look at those two teams, Kansas City and, and Philadelphia, the reason Philly is able to, to to make it and do something that Andy Reid struggled with when he was in Philadelphia, which is win conference championship games, is they have that level of toughness. And that's why they can beat a tough team like Minnesota. And that's why, again, once again, I'll say this again, that's why they're a dangerous opponent to the Patriots. 
And speaking of the Patriots, I want to talk about that big three that they have there. And, and it's probably going to be, the, we know it's going to be the end of the road for those three. And we talk about Belichick, we talk about his two coordinators and Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels. The three of those guys all come to the Super Bowl knowing this is their last two raw together. It's been so successful. I mean, we've seen the different iterations, but Bill Belichick has been the one constant, whether it's Romeo Cornell on defense or Charlie Weiss on offense. I mean, right. throughout, throughout time, we've seen these guys get groomed under Belichick, but now we're going to see the end of this era. I mean, what does it mean for Belichick and how do you put in that game plan with these two guys knowing it's the last time together? Well, you know, look, Belichick, I, I've said this to somebody this uh, in the last few days, he's the hardest working coach in football. So, like, it isn't like there's nothing that Josh McDaniels puts into the game plan that Belichick doesn't know about. And there's certainly nothing that Matt Patricia is going to put into the game plan that Bill Belichick doesn't know about or Joe Judge, the special teams coach. I mean, it all runs through his office and he's in charge of it because it is ultimately his football team. And that's a fair question to ask because most NFL franchises operate. If you lose this assistant coach, you could usually lose it. It's a little bit like the old college mythology. If you were a coach at North Carolina and you recruited and you recruited the Norfolk area and you left it somewhere else, then the Norfolk area kind of fell apart a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. your recruiting ties are there. That's the way most NFL teams are. You lose a coordinator, he goes somewhere else, and now you kind of take it back. In New England – so we're very clear, the program really runs through the head coach's chair. And so his work ethic, like I would imagine this week, that the, the attention to detail on, on trying to put together the plan to stop the Eagles offense, it isn't that it necessarily doesn't come from Patricia, but there's a lot of going to be Belichick in that. And the way this game is going to be played, and this is really the most critical component of the game, how this game is played is going to, is not going to come from Josh McDaniels. How he calls the game is going to be set up by how Belichick thinks the game needs to be played in order for his team to win. And that, to me, is the missing link that teams didn't really understand how to play this Eagle team. You look at the Rams, they had the ball 21 minutes. You look at the Giants, they had the ball 22 minutes and they got 400 and some yards. They had a 23. I mean, teams that understand how to play it, and really there's only been about two, Seattle and Kansas City, where they control the clock and they make the Eagle defense play 30 minutes. That's key here. 30 minutes of defense by the Eagles defense means the Patriots are going to win. If the Eagles defense can play 25 minutes, then I think the then I think the Eagles will win the game. And so style of play, that's all going to come from Belichick. And I know like prop bets, it's fun to joke about, you know, coin Oh, we got to go through some of them and, here. And sort, of, and sort of all that stuff. But I, I do want to say, when you talk about possession and you talk about the, the way this game sets up, I mean, the coin toss and who gets the ball first and the kickoff and all that sort of, I mean, that that's all little games that Belichick is playing to try to get on the side where they have more time of possession because that's really the key to them winning this game. Right. It's the most remarkable thing. You'll never hear this on television, right? You'll never hear this stat on television. And yet, if you go over the last six Super Bowl winners, Super Bowl participants, not winners, the first half point differential is always the teams that are 1-2 in first half point differential are always Super Bowl teams. This year, the most the most effective team in first, point, first half point differential, the New England Patriots. Number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year, it was the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, now there's been some where one year the Giants were 10th. I mean, there's been some aberrations. But for the most part, if you're in the top four of first half different point differential 
and you play from in front, you're a good team. The Eagles are living proof of that. They've only faced 56 passes when they've been behind. They've played from in front all year. They've mm-hmm. played a certain way and had to really modify their way. Teams have tried to catch up to them. They've never played from behind. And so I think, you know, that everybody's going to look at that first half score. Well, Minnesota scored first. How'd that work out for them? Not great. Not great. So I think it's a little bit how you play the whole game, not how you play the first quarter. Yeah. And the Vikings, I mean, we did, we did buy into a little bit of that, of the Eagles not being able to come back. But, you know, the Vikings came down, they scripted everything out. They get this great first drive, which they've done in almost every single game, it seemed right. like. And then all things right. uh, fell and, apart. And I think the thing that where I never thought the Eagles could handle Minnesota, I, I, I picked Philly to win in one Angelo show on Friday morning. And then when we did our pod, I went to Philly because I kept, it kept bothering me. I went to Minnesota. It kept bothering me because I felt like Minnesota's third down defense was going to be the difference in the game. And it was the difference in the game. It benefited Philadelphia. They mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't the number one ranked third down defense in football. They gave up 10, they gave up, they were 10 for 14 on third down. You're not beating anybody like that. That's where I miscalculated it. And I think that's really where Philly won that game. And we should say Minnesota, uh, we're obviously in, in Minneapolis for the Super Bowl and there are all these Vikings fans that are going to all these Super Bowl promotions. They're they're all the man of Philadelphia fans, being, being fans and, and pulling for for the Eagles because they lost to them. I think is, is sort of like the the preferred situation for them. But I just want to say Minnesota. I mean, you have to be really big football fans. Uh, it's oppressive to them. Uh, I saw Stephon Diggs was there yesterday with like a Hyundai Center. He was like signing autographs, and all these Vikings fans were there. I mean, they must really love football on that team for them to you know obviously have this heartbreaking loss. Yeah, you know, I mean that's right? a great fo- of going to the Super Bowl. That's a great football. Well, I mean, look, look, let's face it. When I was growing up, Tate Frazier, before you got your first techie, I was, <laughs> I, they used to play at old Bloom. They used to play where the Twins played outdoors mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when it was really cold. And those people went there and watched the game. I mean, this is a great fan base. I mean, there's Minnesota Viking fans all over, and I'm sure they're going to embrace it. I mean, look, they, they, they don't mind the cold. They sit out there. In fact, where the Mall of America is today is where they used to play the game. I mean, that was where the old municipal stadium was, where the Twins played, and now they built the Mall of America. Have you ever been to the Mall of America? No, I've never been. Neither, neither have I. But, I mean, it's a huge mall, I guess. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. How is the Mall of America doing now that Amazon's taken over the world? I wonder how that is. You think they've lost uh, stores? I don't know. We need someone to call in and figure yeah, it out. Yeah, we probably Maybe need they that. have some stores there. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so those fans, they love it. I mean, look, it's. I think it would be hard to be as close as you were at Minnesota and then have to watch somebody else take over your building. I mean, the Patriots are working out of the Vikings building this mm-hmm. week. It's got to be hard for that one. And how did they figure that out? That was the other thing I was going to ask because I heard that they were working out of the Vikings. Are they both working out of the Vikings? No, no, no. I would, sus- I, would, I would suspect the Eagles are at the University of Minnesota, okay. which is downtown. And I would suspect, because you're not going to let the Eagles come into the Vikings building because they'll play them more. Because that's even more. Yeah. yeah. Like when we were in Arizona, we, ho- we went to the Cardinals facility mm-hmm. and I don't know where Seattle went then, but you didn't have to, you didn't have to. I think Seattle was They're at Arizona. State. Talking Stick Casino or something. Yeah, like that. they were at Arizona State or something. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you could go outside there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that cold. It wasn't that, the weather wasn't a factor. So, but uh, you know, I think that's how they handle it because they really don't want you. You don't really take over the whole building. You just take over the practice. You do most of your meetings mm-hmm. right there at the hotel, and then you just bust over to practice. And all the Vikings guys, I mean, they're they're done, right? They're done. They're out of the building for the season, right? For Pretty the much. They, they try to clear the building out. The year we went, we played the the year we actually played in San Diego. We took over the Chargers facility, but we only used their practice fields mostly mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, you use a couple meeting rooms, but you're not going upstairs into the, where the facility is. Certainly you're not going to drop by the, the the draft room and check out where the draft board is or anything like that. Well, you hope not. You uh, never know. I don't know. Maybe walk by with a quick little iPhone. Yeah, you, you can know. do that. You can, can do a little happen? spying. Uh, 
Blake Bortles, our guy, yes. a, a guy that made the AFC Championship game, we all know. I, I, I said this on No Bull, and hopefully it'll run this week. I, I'm going to Blake Bortles rehab. Like I've said, Blake <laughs> Bortles' name way too much this year. Like I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Blake Bortles rehab. Well, I, I, this is a little bit of a sad note. Blake Bortles had to get wrist surgery on his right wrist. Did you know why? This? No, I didn't know no, that. No, he had to get uh, right right wrist surgery. I uh, say that 25 times. Uh, but he uh, apparently now this is interesting. Yeah. So this will this will impact the money that's being thrown his way. I would think. Right. Well, I mean, he's injured, right? Mm-hmm. So it had to be at the end of the year injury. Does this guarantee they can't cut him? They're not going to be able to cut him if he's hurt. Like, is it was this? I think the key. So the option is fully guaranteed for injury, right? Fully guaranteed for injury. It's fully guaranteed for injury. So is this a genius play by Blake Bortles to make sure that they pay him? $19 well, that's what I'm asking. I'm like, is this surgery? Was it was the, if the team issued this surgery? Then he's technically not healthy come May third, May fourth, May fifth. The he, first day, yeah. He's not can't he didn't pass his end of the season physical, okay? So which determines whether you're healthy or not. He didn't pay, he had off season surgery, which now means as a player, you must if the team tells you to come to training camp early with the rookies and the free agents and the you know you got to go because you're on IR. Mm-hmm. Now he wasn't on IR, but he had the end of the season injury, so it's going to be interesting to see he didn't pass his end of the season physical, or maybe he did. If he has a right wrist surgery, I don't think he did, which then puts this 19 million in play, which means it's fully guaranteed. Right? Which means it's fully guaranteed. He might be the genius that we all thought he was. Uh, congratulations to Blake Bortles on that this $19 million. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, he's a new Kirk Cousins. Just get paid. Uh, another one, we got Ryan Khalil, who comes out center for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he turns 33 in March, and he says that uh, 2018 season will be his last season. He Wow. Will retire. He's so been hurt so news. much. I think you yeah. got to, you know, and that, that's another challenge for, you know, uh, the Carolina Panthers are interviewing GM candidates now. Obviously, I thought Marty Herney was just going to stay on and keep the job. But obviously, with this ownership change and in the, in the light of the Jerry Richards, situation I think a lot of things are going to change in in Carolina uh fairly quickly so uh, I would you know they got to rebuild that offensive line and now they got to rebuild it knowing that Khalil's not going to come back in 18 to me I'm never a big fan of a guy I'm coming back for one more year like wait a minute you know it's you know. plus we've heard that a few times where guys say they're going to come back for one year and then they get down the season they're like well I'm going to come back again for another yeah, year yeah well now Steve now Smith. big I mean, Ben's saying he's come back for three more years I mean last year at this yeah, time ben, he wanted ben, ben Smith, he, ben at the start of last season in August what did he tell us he was like I'm pretty pretty sure this will be my last run yeah last I mean now I want to come back for three more years obviously what he's saying is I hated Haley and now that he's gone I feel rejuvenated I mean yes. if you want to translate it that's yes. how you translate it six right? years and yeah uh, I mean last year I'm like pissed off I'm thinking about retiring and now you get rid of this guy i'm coming back that's good job by you ben Roth. yeah i mean you don't need to be columbo to figure this one out right <laughs> i mean you don't need to do you know ain't sherlock holmes here no that's uh that's the research you need that's pretty easy uh another one tom brady said that his gloved hand uh we mentioned him earlier is, he said it's getting better so can we stop with all the glove talk we're, we're yeah. done with this i mean tom it Brady's ain't heart fine. surgery right yes. it wasn't open heart surgery no. we understand that yeah i don't think the glove's going to be a factor the weather's going to be perfect it's inside the dome yes. i mean the field's going to be fast i think that helps can be in the skyways be inside the dome we're going to be Beautiful. inside the entire yeah. time it's not going to be a problem trust me I don't think we're going to have any problem with him. It's going to come down to execution. It's going to come down to the ability to uh, that other Bill Parcells stat that's so popular, the rushes and completions when you add those together. These are two teams that are very high and very effective in both those areas. They're in the top five in the NFL. And their defenses, the Patriots defense isn't as effective in terms of defending runs, rushes, and and passing completions. But the Eagles are. They only give up about 50 a game. And so that's really what it's going to come down to. Execution is going to be the key component of the game. 
Absolutely. And uh, I really just want to put it out there. We we want the Kelly Green jerseys and we want I the do. old school Patriots jerseys. I, I would I, Pat Patriot. I want the Pat Patriot helmet. That would be awesome. I why mean, not? why not shake it up a little bit? Yeah. I mean, how many more jerseys can you sell the way Brady's wearing? You we're, gotta, we're not worried about the 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 vintage or whatever yeah. whatever sort of thing. We, uh, we just want to see something different, you know, pop on the screen. But no, no color rush. We don't need no, that. I That's hate too that much. color rush. Yeah, can we get terrible. rid of that? We should get rid of that quickly. What prop bets? Do you like any prop bets? Let's, let's talk about some of those, Tay Frazier. I, I was trying to run through some prop bets that really stuck out to me, but they're all kind of boring. I mean, it's team Are with there most, halftime? Team uh, with most penalty yards and all that. Is there Justin Timberlake prop bets? No, I mean, there are, but I ended up in the glut of the game stuff. And then I was already getting bored reading them all. How I mean, many completions will Brady have in the first half? I think that's always an interesting one. Let's find that. Or yards in the first half. Completions in the first half for Tom Brady, or just this is completions in the game. Uh, Twenty six and a half. Twenty six and a half. I would take the over there. You would take the yeah. Over. I would take the pass over. attempts forty and a half. You'd take the over there for Brady. Passing attempts forty and a half. I think he's going to be throwing it a lot. I, I I think if he's I think if this is a fifty pass game, I, I think it's trouble for the for the Patriots. But I think he will throw it more than forty times. Yes, I think that'll be close. My, I think my, he'll complete more than twenty six. My, my biggest one as far as the game was, and here it is: Eagles score first, Eagles win game. That prop, put those two together, plus two thirty. That's not bad because right. if the Eagles do score first, I feel like they do have a chance to. Well, win they the game, love to obviously. play from in front, yes. right? And, and the way they call plays, and I think you know, I, I think they're they're. See what what the way they are, and and this is truly, and this is you know the Mark Twain's statement really applies here. The Eagles are um, for the Patriots. The Patriots are uh, the best swordsmen in the world, right? And Mark Twain has this quote that the the best swordsman in the world never fears the second best swordsman. Mm-hmm. He fears the unconventional swordsman. The Eagles are unconventional. The Eagles are a left-handed football team, and everybody talks about Belichick forcing you to play left-handed. Well, the Eagles already play left-handed. So now when the ball crosses the, f- the midfield and it gets into the Patriot territory, Belichick as the play caller or, or Matt Patricia as the defensive play caller, they're calling to protect four downs mm. because they know that there's a pretty good chance that they're probably going to go for it on fourth and one, fourth and two. This is what they've done all year. Right, they'll, they'll f- forsake three points to get seven, and they've been successful at it. So they're going to keep doing it. So it changes how you call the game, and just that it, it's entered your mind, it affects how you call it. So that's what makes them so dangerous. Because if they get the lead and Brady doesn't score and match them, you know they'll go. They'll try to put 14, 24. They'll try to get that first half lead and try to blow this game out. Now, will they make? Could they make a mistake? Yeah, but I don't think that's been the Eagles. I think when they go back and look at the Seattle game. This is the lesson I think they'll learn in Seattle. Seattle, they played probably the only game all season where they played it traditionally. Mm-hmm. They punted on fourth and one in Seattle territory. They didn't go for it in certain down. They went for it on one fourth down in their bet when they were backed up. They couldn't make the field goal. They had the perfect play called. Only Wentz got hurried and he couldn't make it on the screen. But for the most part, I think they were rel- they look back on that game and they didn't play it in a traditional style. I think what you're going to see is the Eagles play this game, regardless of the situation, Super Bowl 52, it doesn't matter. I think they're going to play it with the same way that they've played all the other games, and they won't play it like Seattle. Absolutely. I, I like that. Uh, here's one big prop bet that you can look at. Which will be more? Jordan Spieth, fourth-round birdies, or Rob Gronkowski receptions, minus a half for Gronkowski. Uh, Jordan Spieth, probably like thinking like five, six birdies maybe in the fourth round, possibly. With uh, a Phoenix Open? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great. Have you ever been so, to the Phoenix Open? No. 
great golf tournament to go to. A million it, I've been to. Isn't that the the one where we have the the par three when everyone's cheering? Oh yeah, going crazy. I mean everybody's yeah, drunk. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. It's like a it's a it's truly a party. That's where Tiger made the hole in one, and everyone yeah, went. I mean the place is unbelievable. I used to play mm-hmm. it on Tiger Woods on the video games, yeah, so I, I would dominate that course on that game. But it used I mean to be like the FHM Open or something like that. Yeah, that, that was I think it was yeah. Waste Management yeah, Open or something. Yeah, yeah, I mean it was it's always been something. The Thunderbirds from Phoenix. It's a great tournament. But anyway. Gronk will have more than four catches. I, I can't imagine that. The, Gronk is, you know, Malcolm Jenkins might be on Gronk. I'm sure they're going to double Gronk some. But the Patriots, again, this week, contingency plans. This is what it's all about. If the game goes this way, we got to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. If the game goes, I think they'll be able to figure out a way to get him more catches. You know, it's going to be a challenge for Philadelphia because once New England determines what corner they're going to attack, is it Patrick Robinson? You know, they've they've already Darby. They've already you know they know Darby from his days in Buffalo, so they know how, they really know him well. They know what they need to do against him. It's what matchup they like the most. And once they find that matchup, the one thing the Patriots don't do on don't ever do is get bored on offense. They'll keep going after the same matchup. And uh, any more thoughts, final thoughts before we get out of here? No, we're going to be back Friday to kind yes. of re- recap the game and make our predictions. you got to make one too, Tate Frazier. Yeah, we'll make a prediction on Friday. We'll do the whole Friday focus. We'll run through the gamut and uh, really go down in, in, into the game itself and talk about matchups and, and things and like that. And style. I think, I think really the most important thing is style of this game. I, mm-hmm. I really do. I think the play callers, Josh McDaniels, Doug Peterson, I think the play callers are really going to have to understand how to play this game. And I think that is where Belichick is probably focusing most of his time. Absolutely. And uh, smiling. Bill Belichick is smiling. With a fedora. So enjoy it. Yep. Uh, This has been another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We will be back on Friday to talk all things Super Bowl. Thanks, Dave Frazier.